This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Green Chef. Start the new year right by eating healthy and saving money. Green Chef is an organic meal kit delivery service that brings fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your doorstep. Go to greenchef.com forward slash fool to get $50 off today. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, January 19th, 2017, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, and joining me today via Skype is Motley Fool Senior Auto Specialist, Mr. John Rosevear. Good morning, John. Good morning, Sean. How are you today? Very good. How's uh, how's it going over in the Rosevear house? Oh, everything is good. Good? As always. Yep. Um, it's an odd question. How many cars do you own? It just popped into my head. I was like, "Ah, oh, how many cars?" At the right, as of this moment, uh, my my family owns two cars: my car and my wife's car. Oh, that's all. Uh, okay. That that number has been larger in the past, and will probably be larger in the future. Got it. <laughs> Um, if, if John has anything to say about it, he's going to get his uh, Ford Mustang if he uh, if it kills him. Uh, uh, well, that's, am I right? Oh, you don't like the that, Mustang? That's a whole nother pos- podcast, actually. What kind of car would John buy? That's oh, that's a, a fun podcast. one. We should do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe a spring show. Anyway. Um, so, and that actually lends itself to why I had you on the show today. Um, you recently had the opportunity to attend the North American International Auto Show, which was held a few weeks ago in Detroit, Michigan. Um, that, that particular auto show is obviously held annually and is, uh, you know, basically the big three's opportunity to not only showcase what they have in store for consumers, but investors as well, if they, you know, care about what cars are being made. Um, and they should. As they should. Um, I'm anxious to have you share what you learned at the show with our listeners, but first, um, really quick, other than just being another auto show, what the heck is the North American International Auto Show exactly? This is the big auto industry party in North America. It happens every year in January. Uh, it, it's where automakers, and not just Detroit, but uh, a lot of the global automakers show off models, uh, showcase models intended uh, primarily for the U.S. market. Uh, one of the vehicles we'll be talking about, for instance, uh, Toyota showed off their all-new Camry. Uh, and this was last week. Uh, it was in Detroit. I was there for several days. Uh, and one of the joys of this show for a media person is that all the auto executives are there and accessible. Uh, I had chats uh, at considerable length with folks from Ford and GM and a few of the other companies. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the big action at the show kind of happens away from the big showcase debuts, which you might see on TV or on YouTube or something like that, where they do have the thumping music and the lights and the big video presentation, and they roll out the all new car or the concept car or whatever. Um, it, it's it draws most of the world's automotive media uh, as well as uh, a whole lot of um, Wall Street analysts attend the show. Uh, we also see uh, tech analyst types more and more now. Uh, tech and autos are blending together. You see a lot of people from uh, publications like Wired or The Verge or something like that at the show, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, and also uh, a ton of car dealers. Uh, who want to see what's coming and, and schmooze with the manufacturers? Yeah, it, it sounds a little bit like the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting because you got the big show and you hear Warren and Charlie Munger talk and everything. But really, what, the reason you go is for the the side things like at restaurants afterward. Um, it, yes, there is a lot of that. There's also, I mean, there's a ton of business done at the show. A lot of suppliers are there, uh, and they may not be on the show floor itself, which you know has since uh, I was there for media days. But last weekend it opened to the public. Uh, they're off to the side somewhere, but they're having discussions. Uh, they've sent a whole team 
came to Detroit from maybe who knows where, Germany, Korea, uh, China, different places where the suppliers might have their home bases, uh, come to talk business with their contacts in Detroit. Because not just Ford, GM, Fiat, Chrysler, but a lot of the auto industry has a big, has a presence, have offices, have design shops in Southeast Michigan because it's, it's a global center of, of you know, auto nerddom, auto expertise. It's where a lot of the, the, the experienced people are. So um, it's interesting to me that you mentioned how they're increasing. There's tech analysts there, and it's uh, it, it might be just a happy coincidence that it was right after CES. Um, did it feel like a tech show when you were there? It, ha- it has become really interesting. I didn't go to CES this year. Uh, we had other folks from the Fool who were out there, uh, but. CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is in Vegas, is also held uh, usually the first week of January every year, uh, has had more and more of an automotive focus. Uh, Ford CEO Mark Fields was out there. Uh, Mobileye uh, and Delphi were demonstrating their new self-driving stuff out there. Uh, Fiat Chrysler showed off uh, an electric concept minivan at CES. It's more and more focused on autos, like future tech autos. And then that runs... Uh, you know, the press days run up till Wednesday or Thursday of that week. And then everything starts in Detroit the, the following Sunday. It's just a couple days later. People fly straight in. Uh, and and it's like this year it was it was very notable. It was almost as if that conversation was continuing on a separate track from the traditional show itself where they're, you know, unveiling the latest minivan and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we had uh, John Krafsik, uh, who heads up Waymo. Waymo is the company under the alphabet umbrella formerly known as the Google Self-Driving Car Project. Uh, John Krafsik was in Detroit. He gave a presentation on Sunday afternoon talking about the state of uh, Waymo's technology and what they're doing to test it and so forth. And he was he was clearly there uh, talking to the auto industry, talking to the automakers. Uh, Google, rather Waymo, seems to be in, in let's make a deal mode right now. They showed off the, uh, the test car that they created with Fiat Chrysler, which is a, a a Googleized version, or Waymoized, I guess we say now, Waymoized version of the Chrysler Pacifica minivan, which is already kind of futuristic and sexy looking. It's kind of cool looking. Uh, it's much uh, their self-driving sensors and stuff are much more smoothly integrated. You can still tell it's a test car. It's still got this big thing on the roof, but it it looks more like like you know something you might see produced in the near future, right. rather than like uh, they were running around with Toyota and Lexus and Audi test vehicles uh, with stuff tacked on for years. But but anyway, to get back to the point, uh, there was a, a steady discussion. Ford had a whole sort of separate thing going on adjacent to the show where they had speakers on future mobility. Uh, uh, Ford is trying to get into the business of helping cities come up with mobility plans as electric cars and self-driving and ride-sharing and so forth become more prevalent and more affordable as technology advances. And and this is a whole separate discussion that's going on throughout the show, uh, again, aside from the traditional show itself, where people are showing off, where automakers are showing off their new vehicles to the global media. It was really interesting, the, the way this is going. And there were several points in the show where I wished there had been two of me because there were two things going on at the same time yeah. that I really wanted to attend. Yeah. So can I uh, ask, I've got to hear about this Camry because um, I recently had the pleasure, I had a rental car and I got one of those brand new Fusions. They're mm-hmm. amazing looking. Those new Civics, I read, uh, I live in Metro DC here and there's zip cars everywhere and it's, uh, mm-hmm. for our listeners that don't know, you basically rent a car for an hour for 10 bucks. There's a fleet of brand new Honda Civics. These are incredibly attractive, sporty looking cars. So, you know, the Camry's been a bestseller for, I mean, you tell me, as long as I can remember. 
Um, uh, they got some competition anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's 15 years for a four-door <laughs> sedan. Yeah, and so I've got to ask, you know, are they souping this puppy up? Because they're starting to get some very attractive competition out there. Well, it's interesting. Toyota did roll out an all-new Toyota Camry, and the, and the Camry, I, I think most of us think of it as it's a mid-sized sedan. It's a family car. Uh, it comes in beige, and and you know it'll go 200,000 miles without any reliability problems. It's very safe, but it's not very exciting. Uh, Toyota CEO Akio Toyota uh, is looking to roll more excitement into Toyota's mainstream products. I, I mean, my comment about the Camry, the all-new Camry, is it's like a Camry, only sportier. It still has the quirky Toyota styling, but it's lower and sleeker, and you get inside, and it almost feels like a sports car. There's a sports sedan dash. Uh, there are two big gauges right in front of you, speedometer and tack, and, and it's laid out. It, it's almost reminiscent of Audi's layout, and this is not a bad thing to find in a Toyota Camry. The seats are supportive. Uh, there is, as as always, plenty of room in the back seat, cup holders where you need them, all this kind of stuff. It's still a mid-sized family car, uh, but Toyota is is promising that this one will be more fun to drive. They talked at length about changes to the suspension, revamped uh, suspension settings, rear suspension design is new, uh, sportier handling is, is the goal. Uh, they're giving it a little more power, uh, even in the hybrid version, uh, trying to, trying to say, you know, this is, this is a more interesting car than it has been in the past. And it's still a Toyota, still brings presumably all the Toyota virtues, the reliability and everything else that, that, that people have been drawn to for the brand for years. But what we're seeing at the, the, the in the larger picture of the midsize sedan segment, midsize sedan sales as a group have been shrinking because more people are buying SUVs. I think Toyota is saying, hmm, this may lead some of our competitors to invest less in midsize sedans. Uh, we're the leader in this segment. Let's step up with something really compelling and see if we can steal some market share. Got it. Okay. So they're doing, you know, the, the, the camera revamp looking good. Um, what else can you tell us about some interesting floor models? Because I hear a lot about um, the increasing popularity of these GM crossovers. Yeah, GM is, this is a big deal. And I actually um, went to a press conference where Mary Barra talked about this at some length. This is a big deal for GM. Uh, they have these crossover models. I'm talking about the Chevy Equinox, the Chevy Terrain, uh, uh, the Chevy Traverse, rather, the GMC Acadia and Terrain. Uh, vehicles like this that are bought as as family holders, as alternatives to where, you know, a family might 15 years ago have bought Just an call SUV. Just call it what it is. They're, they're buying big, them to go to soccer tournaments. A truck-based SUV or a minivan. Now they're buying these things, which are kind of in between. Uh, GM... These are good sellers for GM. They're good. They're very profitable. But GM's lineup had been getting quite dated. I mean, a lot of them dated to 2009-ish, 2008-ish is when these were first rolled out. They've been updated a bit since. But it was time for all new ones, maybe a little past time, uh, although sales had been good. And GM is in the process of rolling out this whole new fleet of crossovers. At the show, we saw the all-new GMC Terrain, which is the, the premium GMC five-passenger model, and the all-new Chevy Traverse, which is the big seven-passenger mass market model that they kind of position as an alternative to a minivan. This joins four other uh, all new crossovers that they rolled out uh, last year. The GMC Acadia, which is their little one. Uh, the Chevy Equinox, which is the huge selling five passenger Chevy. Uh, the Buick Envision, uh, which is a premium version, uh, kind of a step up from the uh, GMC Terrain. And then the Cadillac XT5, which is their luxury model. Uh, these are huge selling profits. Uh, the all new ones, uh, 
will almost certainly sell at higher prices than the outgoing models because uh, they're very nice. Uh, they have new options packages so that they can be loaded up to higher trim levels that will improve profitability. Uh, you know, something like a, a GMC Terrain Denali, uh, you know, priced well into the 40s. That's a very profitable vehicle for a five-passenger crossover. Uh, they're not sexy products. You know, they're not race cars. They're not future technology, but they are super important to paying the bills. And this is the thing GM is doing uh, that they think will improve their profitability and improve their profit margins over the next couple of years, even if the U.S. market kind of continues to stall and maybe even slow down. I, I mean, they are giving a very bright forecast for 2017, and a lot of it's based on we get these brand new crossovers got it <laughs> yeah, so when, when you say the u.s market um gets a little lackluster i do you mean the market for these cars or just the auto the the, the car market in general well, this is something we've been talking about on Fool.com for, for a while, and a lot of my peers at other publications have been talking about. Uh, Just the cycle, auto, the peak auto, right Auto now. sales are cyclical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, peak, the peak was probably a year ago. Sales are still very strong. Well, I, I mean, sales were up a little bit last year, but, but I, I mean, we're at the plateau. It's not likely to go a whole lot higher from here. Uh, it could stay here for several years. Uh, an economic shock could drive sales down in a hurry. But the days of you know, companies like Ford and GM coming out every month and reporting sales were up 12%, which we saw for several years in a row. That's done. You know, it. it might be up 6% one month and down 3% the next month. That's sort of uh, what you see at a peak or a plateau. And that's kind of the behavior we've had over the last year in the market. Um, so uh, I understand that uh, Honda revamped the Odyssey as well. That's the other, uh, the other car you need for going to soccer tournaments every weekend. Well, the, Honda, the Odyssey is interesting. I mean, minivans used to be huge. Now they're less huge, but uh, a lot of automakers like GM, for instance, have turned away from making them. There are really three, well, four, that, that really compete for the minivan market. There still is good demand for minivan. Uh, Toyota Sienna is the leader. Uh, close behind is the Dodge Grand Caravan. Uh, Fiat Chrysler also has the new Chrysler Pacifica. Originally, the Pacifica was going to replace the caravan, but they seem to have decided to keep the caravan around for a while. And there's the Honda Odyssey. The Odyssey uh, was third in sales last year, behind Toyota and the Dodge, despite the fact that the outgoing Honda Odyssey is actually a newer model than either the Toyota or the Dodge. But they've come out for 2018 with what they say is an all-new van, uh, which is kind of surprising if you look at it, because it looks like a sort of sleeker, touched-up version of the one they had. Uh, but there's a lot of new technology in this. Uh, it's, it's a kid hauler. It's a deluxe kid hauler. You can option it up to something uh, really nice that, you know, my kids are older and out of the minivan age now, but, you know, I would have loved to have something like this 15 years ago. Uh, it's got all these family-friendly features. It's got Wi-Fi. It's got uh, screens. It's got uh, different memory modes for the kids' entertainment. It's got this microphone and video system where if you're in the front seat, you can see and talk. You can see the kids in the back seat with a camera, and you can talk to them if they've got their headphones plugged in. Wow. Uh, which is like, <laughs> wow, I, I would have liked to have had that, you know, when 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 my guys were little. Uh, and, and then all these other things, you know, they say in passing, oh, and this is new washable leather, for instance. Well, okay, you know, you can see where a parent in a minivan is going to love that kind of thing. Right. Uh, again, this is a segment, it's a small segment, but the numbers are big. Uh, 100,000 sales a year or more for most of these, uh, these big players. Uh, Honda would like to gain some ground. Um, the key competitor here will be the Chrysler Pacifica, which was all new last year. 
uh, Chrysler is very good at the kid-friendly, family-friendly touches. Uh, Honda has done a lot. They, they did a lot of the same kinds of things that Honda did in the new Pacifica. The new Pacifica has whiz-bang styling going for it. Uh, what Honda has is Honda. I, you know, Honda has sort of this impeccable reputation for safety and reliability that they bring in, whereas Chrysler's has been up and down. Not safety so much, but reliability has been up and down over the years. Uh, it will be an interesting competition. Cool. Uh, in a very boring segment, yes, but again, the profits here are substantial. Got it. All right, well, before we move on, I wanted to give it a shout-out to our sponsor. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Green Chef. I, uh, I personally tried one of their meals a few weeks ago, and uh, I cannot begin to tell you, one, how fun it was to make the meal, and two, it was fantastic. It tasted great. Um, you're going to save money and eat healthy for reals. With Green Chef, resolutions have never been easier or tastier. Green Chef's USDA-certified organic meal kits make it easy to cook healthy and feel great about where your food comes from. You could be cooking dinners like roasted rainbow carrots with chickpeas and artichoke gremolata, which is a exactly what I had. They deliver everything you need to cook amazing dinners right to your door, organic, non-GMO ingredients, pre-chopped and pre-measured so that you can get dinner on the table in 30 minutes. I'm a terrible cook, so it took me a little bit longer. That's a joke, I promise. Step-by-step uh, -step recipe instructions and photos are included. Choose the plan that's right for you with options like vegan, paleo, and gluten-free. There is no shopping, no planning, and no commitment. You can switch between menus, skip weeks, or cancel whenever you want. Go to greenchef.com forward slash fool to get $50 off today. Make Green Chef the resolution that sticks. So, Mr. Rosevere, um, we've gotten the lowdown on a bunch of cars that got rolled out at the International Auto Show. But what about Ford? Well, that's interesting. Ford usually owns this show. It's in their backyard. They actually rent out uh, Joe Louis Arena, which is the home of the Detroit Red Wings, and throw oh, a, wow. a big shindig in there, <laughs> usually on, on the first press day, bright and early in the morning. They did that this year, and we all expected them to roll out uh, some surprise new product, which is Ford's trademark. But it was they did something different. They talked about uh, a bunch of things in passing, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. And then they went into a presentation where CEO Mark Fields and some other folks talked about uh, future mobility. Ford's uh, this is this is a big part of Ford's uh, business plan going forward. They're exploring a lot of business opportunities in and around uh, ride hailing, car sharing, uh, self-driving, electrification, and so forth. And and uh, Ford is posi Ford is interestingly positioned to jump into some things. We've written about this at some length on the site. Uh, fleet management, if you want somebody to manage your fleet of autonomous cars, Ford would like to have that business. If you... Uh, um, you I can't know, believe they, they talked about it that much. They, like, they did. It was kind of a surprise. It was kind of a surprise also because some of the things they talked about product-wise were really significant. Uh, the F-150, their most important product in the whole world, gets this big facelift for 2018. That's the, this is the, that's the cash cow, obviously, is what Oh, my goodness, yes. That I, I mean, as, as, as pickup sales go in the U.S., so go Ford's profits. Uh, the F, <laughs> uh, Mark Fields, once, uh, when I was talking to him, he said the F-150 is the crown jewels, or the F-Series, rather. He includes the super duties. The F-Series includes the the heavy-duty trucks as long as as well as the f-150 but they gave the f-150 a facelift just three years after it was launched it's got a whole bunch of new front-end designs keyed to each of the seven trim levels they have on this thing it's got a new uh much more fuel efficient transmission uh jointly developed with general motors although ford and gm each did their own programming and special sauce on it uh the v8 engine is revised for more power and fuel economy a, a bunch of new tech features 
Uh, they also came out and said, oh, by the way, we are, in fact, bringing back the Ranger and Bronco, as you guys have all been hinting at for a year and wow. a half. This is now official confirmed info. Uh, the Ranger is the midsize pickup. It went away uh, several years ago. Uh, they still sell a, a Ranger over in many overseas markets, but not here, haven't for a while. They will be building it. We've heard a lot of talk from our president-elect. Uh, about how Ford is sending the Focus to Mexico. My goodness, yes, because what they're doing is making room in that factory in Michigan to build the Ranger and Bronco, which are likely to be more profitable and higher volume products put together. Um, the, the Ranger will be the midsize pickup. Uh, there's a version of it uh, being sold, as I said, around the world. Uh, the one that comes here will be a revamped version of the current version. Uh, so if, if you look at, at Ford's European sites and so forth, you will see the Ranger. Imagine that like with a redesigned front end and some more, you know, American kind of premium features. The Bronco, there have been a lot of rumors around. I had it confirmed from two very senior Ford execs uh, that the Bronco will be all new. Uh, they wouldn't give a lot of hints about it, but they said it will be uh, in keeping with the name. Bronco historically was a two-door SUV uh, that in early versions had a removable top, was kind of Ford's answer to what we now call the Jeep Wrangler. Uh, Ford seems to be thinking in that direction. Reports are that Ford's design chief is driving a vintage Bronco around Detroit in the last couple of weeks. So oh, clearly this is on By the choice. <laughs> By choice, yes. Uh, good time of year for it um yeah right <laughs> you know uh they they are in the very early stages of thinking this out but this will not be uh there were rumors in some quarters uh which i actually talked about uh that ford sells a ranger-based suv in some overseas markets called the everest uh the bronco is not the everest that was made very clear to me uh by no less than Ford's global product chief, Rajner. Uh, the Bronco is an all new design based on the Ranger chassis, so you kind of have an idea what size it'll be, but it will be in keeping with Broncos of the past. Got it. And uh, really quick before we move on to Volkswagen, I need to know about the Mustang because I do love when they, just, they, they shrunk it down a little bit, and I, I think they're beautiful cars. Well, this is interesting. They didn't show the Mustang at that big shindig no. presentation last Monday, uh, but they did take a few media folks away from the show, apparently, to see it under wraps. And then they revealed it uh, yesterday, in fact. They rolled it out yes uh, yesterday Why'd morning. Why did they do it that at way? At the show when the media was gone. It was a puzzling move. But again, we can I can tell you what happened. Uh, the Mustang, which was also all new for 2015, like the F-150, also gets a revamp for 2018. There's new front and rear styling there's it's more aerodynamic it doesn't look a lot different the nose is a little lower and more shark like but it's it's still very much it looks like a mustang nobody's nobody's going to uh -huh. be surprised when they see it uh there's a bunch of new tech inside uh they gave the ecoboost four-cylinder engine option some more torque uh, the five liter V8, like like its sister engine in the trucks, got a, it got a revamp. They promised more power and torque. They didn't say how much more power. Uh, also gets uh, a performance version of that new automatic transmission. And what had been the entry model in the Mustang for years with the 3.7 V6, that's going away. The EcoBoost, uh, that four cylinder is now the entry. And you have a choice of that or the five liter. And this is in keeping with Ford moves elsewhere to sort of simplify uh, uh, offerings in models like the Mustang because it lowers their costs. Got it. Okay. So uh, really quick, uh, Volkswagen, um, how would you describe their uh, global standing right now? Uh, uh, tarnished? They, I, something? Anyway. Well, yeah, certainly in the United States. Uh, the whole diesel mess has been a huge mess. I mean, they've, they're 
I, I haven't tallied it up in the last week, but I think so, there were $20, $20 billion now into this thing, which is just humongous. One, they uh, showed up. So did they do anything to kind of be like, hi, we're sorry, we're doing good things now? Like, what what the, what did they do? <laughs> well, they showed off a couple of SUVs, which is actually important. That's the, They had not really had any competitive SUVs in the U.S. in a long time. Uh, they had been sort of selling a German lineup in the U.S. And, right. and the headquarters had been driving this. And, you know, it's good enough for Germans, it's good enough for Americans too. Well, Americans want SUV. VW is now saying, first of all, we hear that. We've got SUVs. We're building them in Tennessee. They're, you know, they're American-made SUVs. That was a huge theme at the show, by the way. Everybody talking about how they made their cars in America. Uh, but they all, they're also... Uh, making a big point they're spending a lot of money on electric cars they won't appear for a few years uh but they want to be 25 percent of the vw brand's global sales to be electric cars by 2025 so they're planning on rolling out a lot of them and this was their show car it was what they called the id buzz id seems to be their their sub brand for electric cars or will be mm -hmm. and this is i mean we've seen a ton of show vehicles from vw in the last several years that are riffs on the classic microbus uh that we all remember uh, from the old days, the hippie mobile. Uh, this is this was the most blatant one yet. It's all electric, dual motor, 369 horsepower, uh, claimed range of about 270 miles on the US EPA test cycle. Very roomy inside. It had some show car gimmick, self-driving features. But the big question we all had is, are you guys going to finally build this? Wow. And we don't know yet. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, John, thank you for your thoughts. Um, I cannot wait to have you on again in the spring. We'll be able to talk about uh, a few more models. And uh, I, we got to do another driverless uh, update here real soon. But uh, oh, I cannot yeah. thank you enough for your time. All right. Thank you. Take care. And uh, that is it for us, folks. Be sure and tune in tomorrow for The Technology Show with Dylan Lewis. Also, before we head out, we want to give some love to our producer, Austin Morgan. Today is his one-year fool-aversary. Uh, we would be lost without you, Austin, and uh, we couldn't be happier that you're a fool. Uh, he's giving me the thumbs up if anybody yeah, needs to know. Um, and uh, if you're a lawyer listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For John Rosevere, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! <laughs>